morning Fabcasters. It's our bar with the drive time. And we just picked up some random priest off the street. Love me. We're, we're, we're in the Uber. <laughs> we're in the Uber now. Daniel Schwartz, welcome to the Fabcast. Thank you. You didn't know you were going to be on it. He didn't even know he was going to be on a, a podcast. I, I, didn't a pod even, I didn't know podcasts were a thing in the backseat, but here we are. Yeah, yeah, they are. So I want to ask you today specifically about this bad boy right here. Jerusalem Cross. Yes. yes. Uh, can you tell us the origins? I've been rocking this thing for a while. I might as well know the history behind it. So it's uh, when you see one of those, it usually means uh, having to do with the Holy Land. Uh, so it's okay. actually five crosses combined into one. Yes. Um, has a lot of, lot of different symbology, symbolism uh, attached okay. to it. Uh, so there, there can be a different meanings to it. But usually when you see that, like I, I've been to the Holy Land a couple of times. When you see that, it usually means it's uh, under the custody of or protection of uh, those who look after the Holy Land, the Franciscan Order. So okay. it, it does have a kind of a Franciscan uh, tone to it of the Franciscan friars. Um, one way to kind of look at it is the patriarchal sees, uh, which are these are some of the most important bishoprics or uh, areas that a bishop would You're control. Using a lot of words I know we're throwing. I was playing. I was playing. We got time, man. Right we got time here. in this back sheet. Okay, we're gonna do. Um, so like the five several. great cities of Christendom. Okay. Yeah, okay. So so five crosses, five yep. great cities. Five great okay. cities: Constantinople, Antioch, uh, Alexandria. Alexandria. Oh. Now we're gonna throw in one that gets a little controversial in the east: Rome, Rome okay. and Jerusalem. So you got hey, Jerusalem. Can we say it? And can we say Jerusalem? Yeah. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yes. Yeah. All that. Um, then also, uh, probably the more popular interpretation of that cross are the five wounds of Christ. Uh, that's so why. That's why. Two I in the hands. Can two I? The can feet, I? Can I share it? Yeah. Oh, two on the hands. One on the feet, one on the side. Well, one for each foot, yeah. Now, what about what about the the, the wounds of humanity, like fear, anger, deceit, yeah. shame, and sadness? What and so you get a lot of where did that come? Uh, you get a lot of metaphorical. So once once that symbol was kind of established, like any good art, any good poetry, yeah. or any good prayer, will have a kind of expansion to it. Will have a kind okay. of extension where uh, we can look into. I would even say like good good Christian art or good Christian symbol is almost. It's almost like scripture where you can read scripture yeah. like in one way and then as your life kind of develops and unfolds and you grow like not that the original meaning was lost but it unfolds all the more it becomes right. all the more meaningful and powerful to you like uh, the word of god is always efficacious uh same thing with how he speaks through can you explain to the fabcast efficacious efficacious i know what it i know always, what that is it always works it's always got it's always got oomph. it's always got power it's always got one in the chamber yeah uh, is that the doctrine of efficacious grace? Yeah, we'll go. <laughs> I'm like, how long are we in the backseat? No, no, no. We don't, yeah, we don't. <laughs> I'm, a yeah. I'm a recovering systematic theologian, so I don't need to be going down that road. It's chronic. You never will. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, nonetheless. I have recovered from seminary. It took me seven. I remember one of my professors. I'm uh, in doctor, from seminary. Okay, so. yeah. Well, Dr. Howard Hendricks, <laughs> he always told us, gentlemen, it's going to take you three to five years to get cemetery out of your system. Cemetery? Cemetery. Seminary. Seminary. Oh, gotcha. Cemetery, Cemetery like, yes. as in someone died? As, oh, as we're in, about to ford as the in, river. Uh, this is awesome. Actually, our Uber we, driver is going to go. Yes. Our, hold on. Spin this around? See no, this. dude, just go. Can you take your staff and plan it and see if it parts? Okay. Okay, just go. Dude, got it. Oh, my goodness. This is amazing. So we're like Moses parting the Red Sea. The only difference is we have about oh, 100 more horsepower than he did. That was epic. Hey, good job, Uber. You get a you get a tip for going it's mud bogging. It's going to be bogging. so dirty bringing this back. This is awesome. What's his car? Is it, you know? Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Big, big. All right, sorry about that, Fabcaster. We're back. Uber driver got us through the mud. Thank you, Uber driver. Oh, we actually we had another priest. He didn't make it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Let's go back to talking about this thing here. Oh, Jerusalem Cross. Jerusalem yeah. Cross. Um, I'm, I've been fascinated with the the wounds. I never thought of it. Two, two hands, uh, one through the foot and one through the side. Five yeah. wounds. Uh, where did where did the the humanity wounds, fear, anger, deceit, shame, and sadness where where did those come in? And is that does that originate with the Roman Catholic Church? Uh, I'm not sure if it arose. Originated with the Catholic Church. I can't speak to that. Okay. Um, but it is a, it is like a known thing. It, yeah, it's definitely okay. so when uh, when these symbols are used. So you'll see 
uh, within church art and stuff, people will use those as kind of guides to prayer. Okay. So in other words, like, okay, I'm going to meditate on the wounds of Christ, and this cross then becomes kind of like a focal point for that. Okay. They begin to, uh, these numbers, uh, the, the five wounds, they, be, they begin to take on meaning, so people import these five human wounds upon that. Okay. Or like, say, for example, other significant numbers, like the number seven in Scripture. Right. Okay. Seven days of the week. Uh, the seven sacraments, the, the, the period of creation, these kind of things, uh, where it becomes it becomes a focal point that we can use this symbol as the center for us understanding. In this case, what we're talking about the brokenness of humanity. Yes. And so we see that that symbol then becomes a connection between my own brokenness as a human being, my right. human wounds, and what Christ is suffering. So that symbol starts to unfold that mystery, that um, that act of God, all the more for me. That's why it becomes very fruitful in prayer. So I think the the Jerusalem cross, uh, when uh, Christianity begins to pray, symbols like the Jerusalem cross begin to yes. unfold in their, yes. in their different metaphors. Yeah. Like who created this thing? Sure. Uh, as to its its, its actual creation, uh, I believe it was medieval times. So okay. it goes all the way back to uh, Crusader period. Uh, sure. Now, as to if it was the Franciscans who were... Uh, responsible for its genesis, for its origin. I don't know right. that. Okay. I don't know if it was one of the military orders, if it was right. another order, if it was just um, a guy who had a great idea and it caught on like wildfire. I'm not sure. Uh, it's good. It's good Christian branding. Yeah. I'm gonna say. Uh, and so with that, uh, how it's how it's been used? It's been used as, um, at least by the Catholic Church, as uh, a political statement. So, okay. uh, not I don't want to mean politics. In other words, like okay, there's a platform. But when you see that symbol on a building in Jerusalem, yeah, right. it's not just saying this is a Christian building, but it's saying, hey, this is under the protection of the Franciscans. We okay. take care of this site. Now, so, okay, so when you say Franciscans, yeah. what what's the difference between Franciscan and, and what are the other yeah. are the other? Uh, uh, so you got different religious orders in the Catholic Church. You okay. got Dominicans, uh, the Order of Preachers (OP). You got the Jesuits. Uh, you got, and some of these are male orders, female orders. Okay. Uh, Jesuits who go by the Society of Jesus. You got the Benedictine monks. You have Cistercians and Trappists and Norbertines and Ursulines. A lot of, a lot of yeah, that's it's uh, and all of these all of these orders usually follow a religious founder. The Franciscans follow Saint Francis. Dominicans uh, follow Saint Dominic. Okay, it, so uh, not not necessarily a Dominican Republic. No, no, no. It has no. nothing to do with the okay. Dominican Republic. Right. Although I bet they have Dominicans there too. Yeah. I wonder if the Dominicans in Dominican Republic, like if they're more like yeah, patriotic if, if they, than yeah. the Dominicans. If they like, lean this towards is our that. country. I don't you know Franciscan why they're Irish. Bro? Why did you I just Fran do that? Yeah, no. Is there a Franciscan country? I don't know. I guess that's just Italy. France. Yeah, France. There you go. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so each of those, they follow uh, the way of life of a particular religious founder okay. um, that, that they see as a way to lead them to holiness. Not like. What, what are you? Uh, I'm, uh, so I'm not an order. I'm I'm pretty vanilla. I'm the okay. jack of all trades, diocesan priest. So we okay. just serve Dio a geographic region. Okay. So I'm not of an order. Vanilla. Vanilla is good. Vanilla. Yeah, just, vanilla. Yeah. I'm I'm your average shelf priest. Yeah. Uh, like to to downplay to downplay it like that. Yeah. But you're not like Father Mulcahy on Mash, where he just he was a Muslim. And then he was a Buddhist, and then he was a Roman Catholic. He would just switch based on the person's needs. Oh, uh, that's uh, which <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure if you can do that in any of those religions. Yes, uh, yes. but it was entertaining on Mash. Yes, I do enjoy watching a good father. That the whole generation of baby boomers believe like military chaplaincy is like Father Mulcahy because that's what he did. But you need Yom Kippur. I can do that for you. When <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. in Ramadan. Let's do no. Yeah, look, I can't. No, I am what I am. Uh, right. But anyway, so yeah, each of these religious orders they follow. They follow their own charism as well, uh, which is a particular path of holiness, okay. uh, an emphasis on their right. spiritual life. Franciscans work with the poor. Okay. Dominicans preach. Jesuits ah. do a lot of mission work and they're in higher education. Uh, the Benedictines are monks. They spend a lot of their time in prayer yeah. and work. Ora et labora, work and prayer. About um, um, about Richard Rohr, what's what's he? Richard Rohr, who, I don't know. Richard Rohr, yeah, he's big on Enneagram. What was Thomas Merton? Thomas Merton was a Trappist. Trappist. So that was a, that a reform out so... of the Benedictines. So they're, just, they're cloistered, so they spend uh, pretty much their whole lives at a monastery devoted to prayer. Trappist. They, they, it, sound, yeah, it sounds so trapping. It sounds so, like, confining. Woo! Yeah. But freedom. Got freedom. dad jokes. Got father jokes. Well, but it sounds freeing as well. It is. So, so Yeah, it, from, a, from, a, from a worldly perspective, it's like, oh, why would I do that? Why would I? But there's oh, so yeah. much joy in just communing with God and 
You know, that, that, I said that tongue in cheek. And they, they give up property, uh, they give up uh, family, they give up, uh, but and it's like what the Lord says, anything yeah. that you give, whoever gives up uh, mother or father, or brothers and sisters, in my, you know, uh, 10, 100 fold, yeah. all that. And I so worked for Chappas before. A father, Van Heusen, he, he gave away all his property. And, yeah. And then I worked, and then no, I didn't work for him, but I knew a priest who was like, he had a Rolex and he drove a uh, Rolls Royce. Yeah. And he let you know. And he parked in the handicap, probably throwing him. If you, if you're, father's if he's not hit, exactly living the calling now, is he? Yeah. If he, oh. if he, if he's out there one day, bro, why did you park in the handicap parking? That's like, that is not good. I don't know why I did that. Like, whenever you need to correct a brother priest, I don't know why it happens in an Irish accent, but it gets the point across better. You should correct like, him in father, Irish father, you're not accent. living that too well, are you? Um, but, yes. Okay, so... Now, uh, as a diocesan priest, I don't take a vow of poverty. Like, yeah, we, ha we have yeah. to deal with money. Like, the church roof hence always... Hence your Rolex. Uh, hence just... my Rolex, right here. <laughs> Only true believers can see it, so... Um, no. Uh, but, yeah, it's... It, you know, the church roof needs fixed. Uh we're dealing with finances, yeah. uh, these kind of things. Sure. Like, for Reality. example, like uh, one of the places where I worked in Ohio, like I had to, I had to look after four uh, county churches, uh, small yeah. rural parishes, which is fantastic, but you put a lot of miles on your car. And so you have to be able to, you know, pay for gas and to pay for sure. the mileage. And all that Absolutely. Uh, so right. there's a functionalism about it. And how do we get, okay, so we got talking about oh, we're talking different about types. So the Franciscans, yeah. their charism specifically is to look after the poor, and yeah. in medieval times, a lot of that was also to do with pilgrims. So they yeah. looked after uh, the pilgrims that were traveling, because a lot of times when we go on pilgrimage, we travel there, we'll walk there, and then we fly back. Yeah. That wasn't that wasn't the same in medieval times. You're walking there, you're walking back. You could be hit by pirates, storm, famines, all uh, yeah. military conflicts that you're unaware of because news didn't travel the same. The the Franciscans would establish these pilgrim houses, particularly in the Holy Land, to look after that. Now, once troubles kind of started with the um, different conquests in the Holy Land, when that was being vied for power uh, between the um, uh, between the history, history, blah blah blah. Anyway, yeah, with that, yeah. when that was occurring, a lot of the orders pulled out from the Holy Land; they withdrew, but the Franciscans stayed, and because of that, to this day, they're the order that has custody over the holy sites, at least the Catholic ones, in the Holy Land. So that's okay. why you'll see a lot of Franciscans there. Yeah. Sure. In All fact, right. Fran... I mean, open it. Uber? This, is this, this Uber's getting three stars, man. <laughs> you really should put that feature in your profile. It'll get you more riders. Yeah, Dan the Man, let's talk about... I want to talk about healing. Like, the, the reason why I, I wear this Jerusalem Cross is because I think my life, my life calling is helping people, particularly men... Um, I have a heart for, for service members, but get healing from the wounds, get healing from, from fear, healing from wounds that are inflicted because of, of anger, uh, wounds from deceit, wounds from shame, so and, and wounds from sadness uh, and loss. Spiritual, spiritual wounds. Yeah, spiritual wounds. I am, I'm not an MD, you know? Oh, yeah. Not, I, I mean, not to say that the spiritual can't touch upon emotions, right. the intellect, the body. Uh, right. But yeah, but, that's, that's but awesome because there's many gifts in one spirit. So sure. So called to be healers. So with spiritual wounds, um, okay. I found that that our behaviors, the way we behave, usually is a result of how we have dealt or not dealt with our wounds. So wounds that aren't... The, the saying is uh, wounds that aren't... I think I heard this from Dr. Dan Ellender. Wounds that aren't transformed are usually transmitted. So they become, we act out on them. I, I can use eye statements. I have acted out on my wounds that I haven't dealt with. Yeah. And they come out in, in what usually certain communities, whether it's military community or civilian community, they say that person has destructive behavior. And then they want to say they're targeting the root cause, but really, they never get at the root cause. So they're just kind of chopping at the top of the weed, but it's not actually pulling. Right. The weed and, and I think at the root of all issues is, well, at the heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. And in the heart are these wounds that have taken place, I would say as early as, you know, uh, three to five years old. Uh, you know, whether mommy or daddy ignored them or abused them. And, and then those wounds weren't dealt with and then they become an adult. And it starts manifesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, you don't have to look too far back into psychology to think of that. Just by 
uh, sometimes by intent or no fault of our own, that just the wear and tear of humanity. I know it's the anxiety of a lot of parents that we try to create a kind of a bubble-wrapped environment, but sure. at some point, Helicopter. We, we become injured. Uh, we become injured. That's sometimes done intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, by uh, even by those who love us. Um, I mean, people would speak of, say, things of like to try to explain the 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 wounded relationship sometimes even between uh, parent and child. The Oedipus complex, the Electra complex. What's the Oedipus? Oedipus complex, complex is where uh, a child begins to see his. Um, uh, his father as uh, as an antagonist in order to vie for uh, um, uh, attention from the mother, just like the story of Oedipus Rex. Okay. That's where it comes from. But anyway, that's just by way of example. Right. And I, I definitely resonate with what you said in terms of uh, wounds that are not uh, transformed or transmitted. Yeah. Uh, that can, yeah. Wounds we that can aren't transformed are transmitted. Yeah. In fact, I would even go further and say wounds that aren't transformed uh, transform themselves. Uh, so if, mm, if talk about that, if we don't deal with our own wounds, well, they have a way of forming us. Yes, we. Uh, it, it's. The All right, sorry about that, Fabcasters. We had. Oh, we're uh, back. Yeah, uh, call. We had to take a call. All right, I we're forgot. Safe. It's all good. So, how do you think people get healed from spiritual wounds? Um. Well, it's. it's Specifically, it's, the five ones I'm talking about: yeah. fear, anger, deceit, shame, sadness. I mean, sadness there, or loss. There's know, a like different grief. there's a different medicine for each disease, and there's a different technique for each sprain. Uh, so it, it it depends. I know one of the one of the big ways for spiritual wounds is you gotta name it. Uh, you gotta name it. I mean, we okay. see that we see that with uh, in scripture, like in regards to evil or spirits when they encounter Jesus. It's like the power of a name to be able to name something. Uh, gives I you, love that. It gives yes. you ability one to uh, psychologically to know like, hey, the first issue with a problem is knowing there's a problem uh, yes. and two to name it mm. uh, pulls it out into the open yes. uh, wounds don't like the open uh, when you expose it to open air when you expose it to that freshness when you bring it to light um, that in itself sometimes might might be enough but uh, another, so let, let's get yeah. practical here what how does that look practically speaking to, to let something out in the in the air I mean I'm hearing you exactly how I it think. takes it takes different levels I mean letting something out in the air is admitting it to ourselves uh, so denial is just going to feed the cancer of a spiritual wound. That's just right. going to make it grow. Um, so let's pick a wound between fear, anger, deceit, shame, and sadness, and then and then how would we let that out? Uh, let's, let's let's I'm just here. Let's go with one that, I'll, I know I'll, I'll just use I'll just use you for um, counseling right now. Anger. <laughs> okay. Free Woo. counseling. There we go. This, this is live. I keep it real on the Fabcast, well, man. Well, at least I got we're no timing secrets. it, so I know how much to charge you per minute. So oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm paying for the Uber, so... That's <laughs> true. So, okay. Right, so we'll break even. So let, let's just say anger, man. I have wrestled with anger mm. but probably increasingly over the past years. And, and, you know, I have this syndrome I call like draconian dad syndrome. And I got four kids and I, and I often ask... Dad's yeah, draconian dad. Are you tempted towards vampirism? Is it... Is it is no, when not, I think like, of not like Dracula. Like, yeah, no, no. no not draconian Drac just means anger. No, I don't yeah. think about sucking their blood. I was I just think, thinking of the dragon, Dracul. <laughs> I, it's a mean dad. Mean Moving dad on. syndrome. Moving you know, on. Like, All right, so you don't want to eat your mean, I don't want to be a That's mean good. dad, but I often make, why am I getting so angry that this bike is here in the middle of the garage? And so I confess. I repent. Um, I confess it between between my brothers, and then I'm like, man, but it's been frustrating. So so the that wound of anger, uh, yeah, how do I find healing how do people in general you think well speaking speaking in broad terms uh, thankfulness thankfulness kind of flies in the face of anger mm. uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, vices in the world uh, right. we've gotten pretty good at them uh, in our history as humanity but then the I'm Lord also gives us in the spiritual side virtues that work uh, directly contrary to those vices so in other words just as we have habits of things like anger or sorrow or right. fear or right. Uh, even like particular sins like lying or theft you know things that we're drawn to depending on our personality or our wounds uh, things that tempt us are there there are direct actions or virtues habits that we can practice that work directly contrary to that like a specific antibiotic given by grace given by given by the Lord that can really help us grow in those ways uh, and thankfulness flow like really just kind of Throws grace right in the face. Okay, of anger. so so I'm walking into a garage. Yeah, and bikes on the floor, and I'm like, dude, I just told these 
Hi. Oh, I'm gonna they I'm know gonna throw, better than yeah, this. I'm gonna throw this bike away right now. Okay, so thankfulness in in the. It's like hard I'm to do. Practical. Okay, so it's hard to do in the moment. So just a, just as like a thankfulness works more like that antibiotic, where you're probably not gonna feel better immediately. Uh, in other words, like. I'm really susceptible, for whatever reason, to strep throat. I don't know why. Okay. The flu never really bothers me. Uh, I've, yeah. But for whatever reason, my own biology, like that. You're that, susceptible to strep throat. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. And it takes about, what is it, 24, 48 hours in order for the healing to actually take place. I never finished medical school. In fact, I, I never, don't even know. I never started. Whatever so. the nurses tell you, like, you follow that. So you yeah. actually have to wait for the medicine to get into your system for actually any noticeable change to occur. Right. Same thing with thankfulness. Okay. When we practice that habit of thankfulness, because think of what anger does. So thankfulness gets right at the root, not just to cut off the symptom. So like when you get in the garage and you see the bike falling over, like, oh, I gotta be thankful. Like that's yeah. probably not gonna nail that right at no, the moment. No, I tried that. It doesn't, um, that doesn't yeah, work. that's probably not gonna hit it. But to, to for the practice of thankfulness, because think what anger does. It means this bike isn't supposed to be here. I own that space, I own this bike, I own the direction to my children, I'm in charge of their yeah. education, their formation. All these things that you hold on to. I'm not saying let go, because you're you're a father, you're a former of young minds, they've been entrusted to your care. Those are your roles, yes. that's important. But well, thankfulness allows us then to move into those roles of authority, to move into those roles of influence with a soft spirit. Where in other yeah. words, like, Lord, thank you for making me a husband, thank you for ma making me a father. And so, while the bike's not mm. supposed to be there, when you move into that area where anger would come, that, that thankfulness creates that softening of perspective where the children are still cherished, yeah. but you can still correct them in a calm spirit. Um, or rather, should I say, a just spirit. Because, I mean, there's a time and place to speak hard truths. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I told you, man. I told you that. And so, kind of practicing thankfulness. Uh, again, that's probably not going to help you in the moment if it's not already there. But it helps to kind of work against it in the long yeah. run. Yeah. That's kind of the thing. Yeah, and what comes to my mind is, is man, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I get this opportunity to be part of the child's sanctification. Exactly. I'm thankful that I'm, I'm actually put in this role to, to teach kids the, the discipline. The, and then I'm actually really thankful. You know, this is easy in the moment, right? It's easy in the moment to think of these things. But I'm, I'm thankful that um, I'm thankful that God is sanctifying me by giving me kids yeah. to work on the fact that I don't need them to move the bike because the only thing I need is the Lord. And so for me, I've, I've believed the, the lie that, that I need something. That's not the Lord. That's basically idolatry. Yeah. I don't need anything from my kids. And also what the thankfulness does, notice what it just did. It empowered you as father because it, yeah. it admitted the worth of your role. Right. But what it also has done is that it's admitted the worth of whatever the object of that thankfulness is. In this case, your yeah. children. Not yeah. to call your children an object, but whatever the thankfulness is directed yeah. towards. Well, they're the objects of my love, so... It's very aspects. easy to get angry when we just focus on a particular aspect. Anger, as with a lot of temptations, tunnel visions us. Where yeah. that that problem then becomes the universe. Where like the bike is on the floor. Like, come on! And then that, oh, yeah. that takes over no, the whole I, go, I get myopic right away. Yep. What I forget about does, the Lord. I forget about everybody. And yeah, thankfulness is, is really centering. Yeah. Generosity. Notice it works directly contrary. That thankfulness works directly contrary to that tunnel visioning of anger. Yeah. And it opens it up like. Wow, thank you for all of this. Well, anger just kind of boom, it focuses us in. Yep. So there's two mov movements. One it I broadens mean, my perspective. Exactly. Yeah. As oh, I don't know who I'm quoting. This isn't my own. Um, so someone Google check this where it talks about. Oh man, just claim thankfulness. it. Thankfulness. It. Yeah, it's totally mine. This is original material. Uh, thankfulness is the lungs of the soul expanding. So when we take in that. Ooh, air, that's deep. Like, uh, thankfulness is the is the lungs of the soul. The expanding. lungs of the soul expanding. Totally original. Yeah. Thought happened right here at minute 8.02. Yeah, I, I, I say this one. Um, my ears are graves where people could bury their problems and begin healing. Totally original. Arbar there. Nice. Eight minutes in. Actually, my ears are in. graves. I was like, my first thought was, I'm like, you need to see a doctor. <laughs> no, my ears are cauliflower. But okay. my ears are graves nice. where people can bury their problems and begin or continue the healing process. Right. So I'm a receiver of confessions. I love confessions because I love full disclosure because people find so much healing. You're talking to a priest, you're preaching to the choir. Yes. I tell you, the amount... I like uh, to preach. I, I will attest to what you said. The, the greatest 
um, it, it really attested the power of God because I'm I'm not doing anything right there in the no, moment. It's no. just people Except pouring not pouring into that as yeah. you as you stand in kind of the place of uh, the place of Christ in order to receive that pain, that suffering, that guilt, that yeah. whatever name your poison. And so much healing and transformation takes place in that space. Right. And it really it really is a sacred moment. No, I I I think confession is amazing. I think people should practice it all the time, especially James five sixteen. Confess your sins Confess one your to sins another. Off. Yeah, one to another. Awesome. Hey, let's take Does a break. Awesome? Let's, let's, I'm gonna take a break. Yeah. Where we can ask the Uber a question. All right, we are back. Um, I had to put on a sweater because it's freezing. Not freezing, but you know. It's gonna be a bit nippy out here. Yeah. Every time. I like it when your accents change. I'm trying to figure out the I'll pattern. Oh, pick a then. different nation. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You do Filipino? I can't do Tagalog. That's hard. You should. Tagalog. As a Roman Catholic priest, you should know Tagalog. Okay. They, uh, they can cook, though. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember I was a seminarian at a place called Chillicothe, Ohio. Great Filipino community. They did quail eggs. They did, oh, it was, it was awesome. Uh, you mean bullet? I wasn't, I don't remember the term. Uh, but bullet, yeah, bullet is a uh, is a duck that hasn't hatched yet, and you just crack it and you pull the little duck oh, out. Oh no no, it. it wasn't it wasn't like the fertilized egg or whatever. It was okay. like a way of preparing an unfertilized egg. Okay. Because we have a similar dish in France where it has to deal with a with right. with an unhatched chick. Okay. Let's talk about our favorite Roman Catholic authors. I'll go first. Nice. Um, <laughs> Brennan Manning, okay. the Ragamuffin Gospel. Yep. Have you read it? I have not. Most of the guys I read have been dead for at least 600 years. Okay. I'm, I'm catching I up. I like it. Stuff. I like it. You, we should read dead, more dead people. <laughs> um, Ragamuffin Gospel. <laughs> the number's increasing all the time. Yeah, I mean, my favorite book, you know, all 40 plus or minus authors are dead. The Bible? Nobody gets out alive. The Bible, you know? Yep. At least my Bible. 66 books, 40 plus or minus authors. Yeah, we got a couple on you. <laughs> we won't go there. Well, another podcast, another time. Yeah, another, another backseat. Another time, we'll just... Another Uber. Put that. Um, this Uber is getting really expensive, but it's worth it. It's worth every penny that, that I'm spending on this Uber. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ragamuffin Gospel. That's about the gospel. It's probably the best book I've written on a gospel. It's for ragamuffins. That's all I got to say about that. Um, okay. You just have to go get it. What about you? Uh, I'm on a GK Chesterton Ooh, binge at the moment. Yes. Um, um, tell and, us. Tell us about GK Chesterton. Well, he's wonderful Catholic theologian. Has a very kind of I witty, follow him on Instagram. Way. Do you? I think I follow him on Instagram. I've been dead for years. He's still keeping that up. That's yeah, fantastic. It is. Good for him. Uh, just very very towering Catholic intellect. Yeah. Especially, uh, he was a very good lens into a lot of the mo- modern and postmodern philosophies that were coming about the okay. world. Like with names like Nietzsche, uh, and like when, when a lot of different nihilistic uh, or even relativistic voices were in the world of like, what is truth? What is what is goodness? Mm. You know, I have my own truth. Is that enough? Is, does anything matter? You think all the questions out of modernity? Very much so. Okay. And I think uh, Chesterton was a very good voice both to look inside of the church and outside of the church to kind of call out. When did he live? Oh my gosh, when did he you think in uh, medieval? No, no, no not no, no, medieval. No, no, this no, is no. recent. We're talking 20th century. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, uh, said, so, you yeah. said he recently died. Okay. I'm going to try to edit that out because I don't, so I don't look like a complete idiot. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. And like, and like medieval? What the... Medieval on my own, about 500 years off. This is fixing my cue card here. My my, my teleprompter here is broken. Yeah, that guy is totally fired. Yeah. If you're going to be here, you're going to work. <laughs> okay, so G.K. So Chesterton. Chesterton's man. great. I love, um, I, love some, I love me some Chesterton. Also, I'm reading, uh, I'm forgetting the full term of it, but John Paul II, Pope John Paul II. Okay. Uh, is he a Roman Catholic guy? He is. So he is now Pope Saint John Paul II. I mean, with him and Reagan, like the two guys who took down communism uh, by themselves, yeah. like, well done. Uh, very dynamic. I probably figure. offended someone by it right now. By oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's some Polish nun out there. That's okay. like, oh, That's not true. Hey, you know what? You should still subscribe and thumbs up, please. In fact, thumbs, Chesterton said, if you too. can't laugh at your faith, you're probably taking it seriously in the wrong way. 
So, Ooh, I like that guy. Humor, it's fantastic. It's okay. a good source of a healthy heart. Okay, let me hit you back. Now we're doing the the, the topic is favorite Roman Catholic priest. So favorite um, Roman Catholic priest? Yeah, yeah. It's my it's my turn. That's good. It's my turn. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, favorite Rich, priest? Rich, no, not favorite priest, but like author. yeah, yeah, okay. author. I Point. mean, that's like same same thing, right? Because if you like their writing, you probably like them. I think. Um, I'm gonna go with Richard Rohr. We were talking about him earlier. Yeah. Breathing underwater. Um, has done work with the Enneagram. Is just a super cool, down to earth dude. I think, from like at least from my fan base perspective. But he has a lot on on healing and a lot on right up your alley. Yeah. So, Richard Rohr, another name. All right, give me another dead guy. Mine are living guys. Oh, another dead guy. Um, or a living guy. We want to go living. Uh, let's go with another pope. Uh, Benedict the Sixteenth, Pope Emeritus. Okay. So he has, particularly for this season, Merry Christmas, by the way. Uh, he has a great reflection on the gospel. Uh, just okay. it's the Jesus of Nazareth series, where yeah. he moves through, and he has an entire book devoted just to the nativity and the infancy narratives of Jesus. Mm. Um, so talking about the theology of the nativity, which is so fitting for this time in Christmas. Um, and he just has a way of unpacking. He's very systematic, uh, and he brings a lot of spirituality uh, because uh, sometimes with scripture studies, you can get very scientific, and you can get, which, I mean, sure, and it's sure. it, it's a little legitimate study, and so it needs to have a process and a methodology. I get it, uh, yeah. But Exegetus the methodology is... can't be the end of it, you know? It can't right. just be to slice and dice the gospel for the sake of, like, learning all we can but Hebrew for him you yeah. feel like you're learning an incredible amount because he's a towering intellect but yes. at the same time it feels like you're praying with him I'm like okay so this has got a good balance yeah so this yeah. is not just good writing this is good spirituality so yeah, it's feeding it's not, the soul and the head it's not pie in the sky like so theoretical I can't grab it it's yeah. it's it's down to earth I like yeah. I think if, the, if your theology doesn't hit the deck in fact if it doesn't work in your own house, I would say don't export it. If you if you can't if you can't wear your theology on your sleeve and on your boots, then yeah. Then, then yeah, what good what good is it if it's just all theoretical? You should be able to show it and you should be able to walk it. Which I am a recovering Pharisee, you know, I, I could exegete the crud out of a passage, but I I lacked grace and I lacked love. I still kind of lack grace and love, but the Lord's at work, you know, that's the beauty of uh, progressive sanctification. I'm a work in progress. Mm, are we all? Yes. I'm like here we are, just two resounding gongs. I suppose the same. Yes. Says. Yes. Clanging cymbals. If I do not have love, then I'm just a clanging cymbal. This is so. This is. We're, we're nerding out on scripture I here. I hope you guys are enjoying this. Yeah, so the well. Uber likes like, us. We're, we're just. Yeah. Our driver's just rolling his eyes right now. He's, He's got his ears plugged. Totally needs Jesus. <laughs> um, oh, but this is also Christmas. Christmas. This is this is also free. No, let me look at my other book. Was it my turn or your turn? It was your turn. I just talked about Pope. Oh, yeah, that's right. You went to Pope. Two Popes. I'm going to go with... Um, Two Popes. Saint... Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm going to go with St. John of the Cross. Dark Knight of the Soul. Yes. Tell us about Tell us about that. your... your uh, what is this called? What's that? You're stoked. You're stoked. Awesome. What do you know about St. John of the Cross? Very much so. So I did my thesis in seminary on Carmelite mysticism. Oh, my god! So John of the Cross is my boy. Big reformer of the church. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I mean, you can't think of John of the Cross without th thinking of St. Teresa of Avila, both two Spanish Carmelites. Um, What's a Carmelite? Carmelite is, that, is, like, is an order of the like church. That? Okay. Yeah. Uh, have a very kind of uh, specific and particular spirituality. They're, the whole idea of Mount Carmel is the Lord. It's It kind of harkens back to the... Uh, the old title of God, El Shaddai, or God of the Heights, God, oh, of, the, God of the Yeah, mountain. Sandy Patty, 1988. <laughs> El, so, no, no, Amy Grant. Oh my gosh, Amy Grant, 80s. El Shaddai, El Sure, Shaddai. I have no idea what that song El, is. Adonai, something like that. Um, so the Lord then becomes this mountain. Uh, okay. And big for St. John of the Cross's spirituality is that just as any good father, who teaches his children, there's moments when the Lord seemingly withdraws his presence from us. So okay. we don't get the consolations of faith. Okay. Um, things like, you know, 
people call it the warm Jesus fuzzies, the joy and the peace that come from prayer, right. the, the, the spiritual fruits of leading a good um, prayer life and uh, for staying close to scripture and those kind of things. The Lord takes away those good symptoms, those yeah. pleasures, those spiritual pleasures, and it, and for whatever reason, we just can't seem to feel his presence. Uh, this seems like it, a cruel it is, moment. And is that the dark night of the soul? Oh, uh, there's two. It could be the dark night of the soul, or there's a lesser one called the dark night of the senses. Um, yes, want, which is what she wrote on, right? Uh, Teresa of Avila? Yeah. In a sense. Uh, okay, so, and what he wrote on dark night of the soul? He did. So he was speaking about both, but he focuses more on the dark night of the soul. Okay. And the reason the Lord does this is to actually purify our faith. He actually does this not to not as some kind of cruel test, but actually a moment where we can truly grow. So say, right. for example... If I love my mom and my dad because of the great Christmas presents uh -huh. um, and, you know, because they feed me and they take me to school, am I actually really loving them? Uh, that can be a little more difficult because I'm loving the, the perks of it, of that relationship. Yeah. But am I actually loving them for who they are at the foundation? Because all the nice things they do for me are because of that initial foundation of their love for me and that I return it. So say, for example, if there were a moment for whatever reason, that those those uh, those effects of that love were taken away. Like, all the perks of being their son were taken yeah. away. Like, say, my, for God forbid, one of my parents was injured or sick and I had to take care of them and there was absolutely no benefit to myself of that right, going on. Right. That becomes a real moment where not only is my love tested, but it can grow. Because now, yeah. all, all the... Uh, all those perks are taken away. Now yeah. I just have to love them for, for, for just for that purity of love itself. Yes. God does the same thing. Now He never gives us more than we can handle. Yeah. So He removes I've heard that somewhere. He removes all those wonderful fruits of the spiritual life. Uh -huh. And but then the question is, do we truly love Him for who He is, or yeah. do I just yeah. love? Do I love what He? Gives or do me? I just love all the nice rap sheet that comes along with being? Right. Uh, Man, we're off road and here we go. Oh gosh. Holiness just got real. Am I being a priest right now because of all the perks? Why are we doing this? Because of love of God's people right now. This oh is dark night of the senses going right now in ministry. So see how this that works? This Uber driver, like he's like going through. We're not even on a GPS right now. This is fantastic. Five stars, six. We're making up a new setting. Anyway, Okay. so that's what yeah. St. John the Cross is talking about. Awesome. I... Another great Carmelite I'm gonna throw in my author here is Therese of Lisieux. So, French saint, also a Carmelite, around the same time, uh, roughly, and we can catch her later, so we're going to follow yeah. that up with another to be continued. Yeah, we need to wait until this Uber driver gets stops off-roading. Oh my gosh, it is dark. It, it is, is dark. the dark night of the soul. Oh, dark night of the night. No, that is... Oh, there you go, light. We got lights. Camera. I'm wearing active camouflage in my cassock. <laughs> All you can see is this floating head of a priest. Oh, yes. darn, killed it. Nice. Wait, wait. Here. Perfect. So, Dark Night of the Soul. Uh, yes. So, not everybody experiences the Dark Night of the Soul? No. No. That's, have that's you a experienced the Dark Night of the Soul? No, I have not. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I think I have, but maybe that might be It's an incredibly opinion. advanced spiritual experience. People can go through minor ones called Dark Night of the Senses. Okay. Dark Night of the Soul is prolonged. It's acute. And... Uh, the only ones I'm aware of who have gone through it that I know of, of saints, Mother Teresa, St. Francis went through one when he received the stigmata. Um, okay. Obviously, John of the Cross did. Wow. Um, so I thought it was a common thing where people just... The dark lights, Night of the Senses can be. Where the lights go on. Yeah, I would think that's... The, I think we're talking more about the Dark Night of the Senses than Dark Night okay. of the Soul. Maybe, I, maybe, Dark Night I of the Soul. maybe I'm special. Dark Night of the Soul, because we, we'll go through different movements in the spiritual life. Uh, okay. For example, the purgative way. Purgative way is when one first begins uh, other walk in faith, and they're just, it's when they're beginning, the, the old self and the new self are struggling, and that's when right. we're getting rid of the big sins in our life. Okay. Uh, and then comes the illuminative way. Uh, which is more like, okay, we're actually doing transformation work. And this is where the dark night of the senses begins to come in. Okay. But then there's the final act of communion with God, actually taking on the will of God himself, where now we're unifying our will with that of the Heavenly Father. And that's where dark night of the soul comes in. That's where that deep, real mystical surgery comes into play. Yeah. 
So, what was your dark night of the senses experience like? Oh, which one? <laughs> oh, okay, you've had several. Yeah. Uh, two prominent ones I can think of. That's big. Oh, that's a narrow road. Okay. Oh, as I spill water all over myself. That's yes. where you wear black, can't tell. How do you make holy water? <laughs> you bless the hell out of it. <laughs> Pardon my French. Yes. Oh, that wasn't, that didn't talk. Well, yeah, I'm what the French call a les incompetents. <laughs> it is Christmas. What is that, uh, uh, Kevin McAllister? Uh, that was his sister that said it towards Kevin McAllister. You're what the French call a les incompetents. I love the, yes. uh, what's his brother's name? Biff? No. Um, bu- no, uh, oh, Buzz. Buzz. It's Buzz. 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 Uh, Kevin, I'm going to feed you to my pre- pet tarantula. <laughs> That's so good. Classic. He did not Easy on well. the juices, man. He we packed the rubber sheets. <laughs> Man, Home Alone. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin, he didn't age well. Um, yeah, he... It's interesting, you know. Drugs are bad. I think he got into drugs. As is as a lot of... Uh, as a lot of child stars. That, you know. This is true. This That's is why true. I didn't pursue my, my career in Hollywood. I mean, I never started it, but... After, after your stint at Disney yeah. Club Kids... Actually, I applied years ago to be on uh, All That. Are you serious? And uh, Nickelodeon. All right. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Maybe I'll come back. Maybe I'll go back to it. I have a dream to be on Ninja Warrior competition. That'd be fantastic. Are you serious? No, I'm totally serious. Okay, so Alpha Warrior is... Uh, What's Alpha Warrior? Uh, Alpha Warrior is the mil- military version of uh, Ninja Warrior. Uh, tell me more. I had no All idea right. what well, this is. Well, I... I trained and competed for it and I, got, I was on the national team back here <laughs> that is so cool <laughs> but that's not a, that's that's a different subject different time yeah yeah anyway yeah well. it's like let's put a pin in that <laughs> yeah um what else who's another good author um, oh yeah authors who's the guy who's the priest that wrote about um homeboy industries tattoos on the soul Oh wait, he, in the heart. he's the guy who does that rehabilitation Greg ministry. Greg Boyle. He's got a good white beard. Yes. Kind of like Homeboy the, Industries. The, yeah, he has got a great ministry going on, and it, it takes these hardened gang members right off the streets from, kinda, from rival gangs. Yeah, and rehabilitates them. Yeah, he they, he has them working in Homeboy Industries, like, um, and his people of rival gangs in the same building, like working working on things. I forgot what they're like. It's a big bakery and. All kinds of uh, I think they also I have led, like a it's it's not it's not like a blacksmith but it's like a metallurgy some kind of metal craft shop right um, that's so cool because I remember I stumbled upon it there was something on Facebook and I was just like it caught my eye and I'm like yeah why not because I mean what clickbait for Jesus so I clicked on it and I was reading about what this priest does yeah, and it's yeah. it's phenomenal that's rad so speaking of like you were talking about my calling and my ministry is is for healing restoration for for service members suffering from PTSD and moral injury. So when guys and gals in the military are suffering things from like addictions to fill in the blank, you name it, anywhere from uh, pornography addiction to ang- ang- being angry all the time to domestic violence, substance abuse, you know, you name it. The list goes on and on. How do people find healing and freedom from those destructive strongholds? Or what they would call addictions or habits? What do you think is the the secret to that? Uh, I don't know if there's a... Because people wear their chains differently. Mm. Uh, (laughs) And so there's no silver bullet, I think. I mean, there's tried and true definitely help factors I like that they, really um, they, they need to they need to plug into a community somewhere that okay they, they cannot they that. can't walk in the path alone there's no such thing as a lone soldier Christian mm. and same thing with those who are struggling no man is an island unto himself yep uh, or you can even go with uh, Aristotle who talks about any man who is by himself is either a god or a beast <laughs> and we are no we are not gods yeah. and I don't want you to become a beast so in our the, in, yeah, from our understanding, our theology, we're not gods. Some theology says you are little gods. Oh that, well, that's adorable. Um, yeah, <laughs> a bunch of little gods running around. Uh, yeah, it 
that's out there. Well, if that's if that's your case, enjoy your pantheon. Uh, good luck <laughs> fighting with the other gods, because one thing I know about polytheism, the gods love to fight. Um, anyway, just ask Ares. But uh, with that, you gotta plug into a community somehow. Yeah. You gotta plug into a community. One hundred percent. Because the beautiful thing is, is that not just will you receive support, a support structure. Uh, within a community, yeah. but it's also by helping others that we are healed. What yeah. about if you, the environment you're in says that being a part of a community like that is weakness? Like, what are you going to do? A Bible study or something? You go to some kind of group? What are you? What are you? A wussy? You know, like, what about those communities that preach and teach that? Well, it's easy for me as a priest just to simply like look at those communities and say like you're dead wrong. Yeah, um, right. Like that's, I mean, that's just a bold-faced lie. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but what, what about actually admitting to one's fault? What takes more right. bravery than to actually say like, hey, there's something wounded here and it needs to be healed? To actually reach yeah. out and say like, right. hey, I want to get better, or just as simply to go about like any, any second grader got caught with his hand in the cookie jar and just like, no, nothing's wrong, it wasn't me. It's so yeah. easy to pass the buck, or just to put a blunt label or just some kind of ostentatious just kind of sticker sure. on it saying like oh that's cowardly that's weak that's less right. I'm like really because I think that's a great show of courage yes uh, do you see a direct correlation between the higher someone reaches in a in an organization a higher rank they received in a military organization and the tendency to isolate or to think that programs are for the junior enlisted and like no man I'm a senior ranking whatever I think that is a temptation um, within any kind of structured environment I mean it's true in the military it's true within the church it's true within any any hierarchy so this is we're dealing with a human we're dealing with a human temptation this isn't bound to one person one culture one institution right that the higher we climb that that creates a kind of egotism or an invincibility around that personality right now on others if good leadership and good virtue is intact it actually takes a good person and moving up the ranks can actually broaden their impact uh i know you probably wouldn't take very long yeah. for you or i to come up with a handful of examples we know just in our own line of work within right. the church or military where when someone advanced in rank it was to the betterment of everyone around them Sure. Because they took that position, and uh, it highlighted all the more who they are. Um, leadership and power is just simply raw resource. It's raw resource. The question is, whose hands does it fall into? And that's that. Uh, so I think there is a human temptation. If it's if it's a good person who falls into those positions of leadership and power, it's just going to be good for everybody there. Right. Those programs are going to be wielded well. They're going to be utilized. They're going to be encouraged. If it falls into into the wrong hands, then that person's just going to be like, no, that that doesn't apply to me, or that's not that's not relevant, or or yeah. e or even poo poo it a little bit, um, or a lot in some cases. So I think it just depends on the on the powers to be. Absolutely, like that the temptation really. Ooh, mood lighting. Here we go. That's okay. We can the the show the show will continue. Let's just continue the show. So. A guy is becomes high ranking in his in the company, or so in, like his, a in his senior rank. executive. Or right, something. sure. Or let's just use it. Let's just have a civilian military side by side because analogies apply to both. Like a guy becomes high ranking staff staff non commissioned officer or a high ranking, uh, you know, field grade officer, and they think, well, well I, I don't want to role model weakness for my guys. So I'm not gonna be part of no group or confessing my sins. Like, I'm gonna let the junior guys go to that that little group. Ooh, okay. Yeah. That's that's a great point to bring up. So that's all the more important to have that community because it that that's still relevant to you. That there is a point where I need to be I need to be vulnerable. There needs to be those outlets for authentic human moments. Uh, where whatever we're dealing with, if it's, you know, we were talking about addiction earlier, if we're, uh, whatever that case may be. But that's not to the weakness of your leadership, it enables you. So if I was that senior officer or 
executive, like I need to show, I need to show good leadership. I need to show resolve. I need to show uh, myself as a bastion, as a as, as a as a stalwart advocate for. What's a bastion? Bastion is like a, so. This is a, a defensive term. Bastion can be a fort. When I say a person's a bastion, it means like someone who's strong, someone who's enduring and persevering in character. I need to show that to my uh, my employees. <laughs> my, <laughs> we are persevering right now. We're off-roading in the. The ice is, this is ice chest is, hold on, we need to take another break here, oh my gosh, they're running over demons right now, <laughs> that was a big one. Well, I can tell you why, it's because that red on the right side, that's these little water switch. Alright, we're back, I got another layer of clothing on because it was freezing out there. Alright, any uh, parting words to... Let's send this message to people who are on this Christmas season suffering from hurts, habits, hang-ups. What's your message to them for the freedom is our... As our A lot of times, thing. just the way Christ is often beautifully depicted in art, you know, that romanticized little baby Jesus in the manger. Eight pounds, Real, six ounce baby Jesus? Yep. Oh yeah, sweet baby Jesus. You know, surrounded by really docile, happy animals. Like, no, right. Christ was born into a broken world. Yes. Christ was born into a hurting world. Um, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So Christmas is very much meant for you. Christ is born into a world of hurting because that's that's exactly why he was born into it, because it is hurting. Yes. And so Christmas is not a message for people who are already saved, but people who are looking for a savior. I like that. Yeah. Period. I'm glad we picked you up, stranger. Hey. I'm glad you Thank, guys could yes. have me. Thanks for being on the show. We will be back next time. That was a very interesting ride. And I think our Uber driver, yep, our receipt's like at $800 right now. As you can see, the sun has gone down. We've traveled a lot. Until next time, peace. Merry Christmas.